The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Welcome to the Big the Footy Podcast. My name is Rick Newenhoven, all the way from America once again, and this is brought to you by Port Fan Radio and sponsored by New Vision. I have a special guest with me tonight. Uh, big power fan, produces some awesome uh, video content. Uh, his name is Anthony. How do I say your last name, Anthony? Aliciani. Aliciani. I was going to say Alicio. So close. Alicio. Are you so, close? How are you? Did you enjoy the weekend? Uh, I had a very good weekend. Thanks, Rick. Um, and it was a very good game yesterday as well. That was topped off brilliantly with a win. Yeah. I bet you had a, a, like many other Port supporters, had a very awesome and exciting uh, Easter Sunday night after that uh, fantastic victory. Yes, oh, there was there was pillows thrown around the room, but the end of the result was uh, was quite pleasing. I uh, I bet you might have been a little bit concerned at half time, or were you a complete optimists and uh, you were confident we were still in this game? Oh, I think. Uh, if you asked a few people around from other shows, they'd tell you that I was nowhere near confident of us winning and I had my doubts, but I'm glad I could eat my words and say that we won. Yeah, good work. Hey, um, so tell us a little bit about your port following journey, how you got to where you are today, and uh, and just uh, at the end, just let the, uh, the listeners um, know a little bit about your your little video uh, sessions you're doing, I, I quite enjoy them, and you, you're doing a good job there. Oh, thank you. Um, well, it all started with uh, Dad's always been a big Port Adelaide supporter, so I guess I just followed into his footsteps ever since I was born in 96, and thankfully the year later Port Adelaide joined the AFL, and ever since there it's always been Port Adelaide through and through and I think now if you ask my dad you say I'm probably a bigger supporter than him um, going to every single game every week uh, and my first game was in 2005 so it was a it was an interesting journey and obviously going through that tough time through the uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years and to finally come into this new era it's been it's been an exciting journey and yeah, with the YouTube channel itself, that was just an idea that I sparked up at the beginning of last year, and it's really taking off, doing all reviews of games, previews, uh, video logs of game day, and just everything in between, anything to do with Port Adelaide. So I thoroughly enjoy it, and anything for the club I love. Yeah, good work. Keep doing it. It's uh, highly enjoyable. So before we just get on to the port and get into the uh, the hour of power, so to speak, um, quick wrap up. Uh, we start on Thursday night. Uh, the Crows uh, knock it off Richmond and uh, redeeming themselves apparently 118 82. Uh, we had North Melbourne thump St Kilda in an atrocious game. Uh, the Suns uh, Suns uh, dominated Carlton. Uh, Geelong, uh, sorry, Giants uh, beat uh, Collingwood. Uh, Melbourne beat Brisbane. Frio over in Perth won their first game. Beating Essendon, so are Essendon actually that good, or are Frio not as bad as what people think? Uh, Eagles killed Bulldogs, so they look like they're in a bit of trouble, the Bulldogs. How great result, and also a game that I missed yesterday, but um, which was 
Sorry, today, isn't it? Um, Hawthorne today, by yeah. one point over Geelong. What was your takeaway from the uh, the round this weekend? Was there any interesting results or standout items for you? Um, I was surprised. I mean, it was a horrible round for tipping. No word of a lie there. I mean, Gold Coast getting up over Carlton at, uh, at Etihad Stadium was a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, Fremantle over Essendon was a big one as well. Uh, and North Melbourne beating St Kilda, that was probably the biggest surprise of the round for me. And other than that, today's game, Hawthorne-Geelong, was almost game of the round besides ours. So for the for us that are, couldn't see it in the Hawthorne-Geelong game, I guess one of the big talking points is the, the uh, Dangerfield, Ablett, Selwood combination. How did they go in the midfield? Were they as good as what everyone or the experts were expecting? Um, individually, I think Ablett and Dangerfield were probably a bit more influential in the second half compared to Selwood. They were all playing quite individual footy, not as a team, Geelong, and Hawthorne really should have won by more. They would just missed their opportunities, and I think that uh, triplet of Dangerfield, Ablett, and Selwood, if they get all together, Geelong will be an absolute force, but they seem to be playing a little bit individually compared to a team. It's the, uh, I guess it's that whole analogy of a team of superstars against a, a champion team, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the nickname they've got too, Jane, Danger Woodlet, is what <laughs> they've been known as now. So that's going to make its rounds for the next 20-odd games. So the most important thing is the AFL ladder. Outside of the noticeable one for me is the rise of the sun, so to speak. Um Yes. They're doing very well. But Giants top, followed by Port, equal points. Gold Coast, third or joint top. Then we uh, have Hawthorne, uh, undefeated as well. There's a bit of an anomaly there. No one, I don't think everyone was expecting Hawthorne to do so well early season start. And then we're followed by North Melbourne, Melbourne, Adelaide Crows, West Coast Eagles. But I don't know what you think, Anthony, but I think it's probably a bit too early to be looking at the ladder and... Uh, and uh, worrying about that too much at this time of the year. No, I wouldn't be looking at the ladder to look into how you're going to judge who's going where this year, but nonetheless, it's nice to see Port Adelaide in the top two. Yeah, absolutely, I'll take it. And that's uh, hopefully that continues to stay there. And I, I think that GWS and Port Adelaide probably might continue on in that vein and hold, vein and hold the top two. So I guess the other controversial talking point... Um, mm. From the weekend as we head into uh, our first segment, which is Controversial Corner, um, is my title, Sydney Are Our Bitches. Do you agree? It's a nice title. A Sydney Now Our Bitch. Oh, it, it's a tough one because we have beaten them now twice in a row at the SCG. I'm almost tempted to say yes because the way we played last year and the way we played today was pretty much... It was almost an identical game the way we ran over the top of them. So, yeah, you could say they're our bitch. Too right. I reckon they're our bitch. And my logic is that we've beaten them now twice in a row at home. Um, That means that, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they're our bitches. We don't need to get the ledger back even... um, for us uh, to have that title. So, uh, you know, they could be our bitches for a, an extended period of time. But at this point in time, I'm going to enjoy the moment and uh, 
and I'm going to enjoy the fact that uh, we've beaten them twice a row at home. And so, for me anyway, they're our bitches, and we'll uh, we'll just see how it goes. So the other controversial topic, and uh, yeah, I know Ian's reminding us that, that we've got a nine twenty record. <laughs> to these guys, but it's okay. I know that. I'm sure Anthony knows that, but that's all right, isn't it, Anthony? Yeah, no, the last two is what counts. That's exactly right. How many times do they beat us at home? Who knows, because they hardly play in Adelaide. I think that's probably the the more general consensus. They're too afraid to come and play us at home. We always have to go to the SCG and uh, and get what their ass over there. And uh, But I guess... The rise of our, our juniors has really pushed our uh, our performance on the field, and credit to the coaches and the, and the development team for that. Um, for me, the most standout um, coach in that regard would probably be Nathan Bassett. How he's been able to gel a uh, a young defensive unit uh, into such a formidable force early on, and I must admit, watching the first half against Sydney. Uh, as we were sort of down, but sort of hanging in there, I was thinking, you know, will this defend, this young defensive unit be our Achilles heel? And um, But no, they, they were able to hang tight the whole game and, uh, and actually, uh, you know, thwart any Sydney attack. And their maturity for their age is just amazing. What do, what do you think of the defensive unit and what Matt, uh, Nathan Bassett's doing there, Anthony? Oh, I think it's uh, wonderful what Nathan's doing. He, uh, If it wasn't for our back six, that game probably would have been blown apart by half-time. But they held their nerve down back. And with players like Houston and Bonner and Howard standing up along with the senior players of Hammer and Tommy Jonas, and not to mention as well Tommy Cleary, that back six was just phenomenal and resisting all the... Well, the thrust that Sydney had coming forward. I mean, 35 inside 50s to 14 in the first half, I think, is what the stat was. And for them to only score 12 uh, scoring shots out of that 35 is a remarkable effort from our back six. So what Nathan Bassett is doing uh, with the back six is um, almost being gone under the radar, which is uh, which is a good thing from an uh, AFL perspective as well because... If our back six isn't looked at week to week, then more games are not. We're going to dominate down there. Yeah, I think it won't go under the radar for too long, and I'm sure the AFL clubs internally are seeing the strength of what he's doing there. But I think Porsche's got a good point on the chat room there. What I really like is how our young defenders gave zero shits about Sydney trying to rough them up, and they they held their composure very very well and uh yeah look again credit to nathan bassett i think what he's done is uh, outstanding and uh let's see how they go uh throughout the journey but um so the controversial corner topic it's a tough one for you you might not be able to choose but you're gonna have to choose who is our most promising junior howard houston bonner Sam Power Pepper or Marshall. It's it's a very, oh. very tough choice. But the reason I brought this up is because, as I said earlier, these guys are actually lifting the performance of the older players. Now, um, and he, I mean, you, Ollie Wine's uh, great game yesterday, 
he's not old, but um, you know, but I've put him out of this category because he's now senior. So, but these guys are driving the performance and the accountability of the older guys through their desire to want to stay in the team and their hunger. Who do you love, and who are you going to choose when you have to choose one? Oh, that is a massive task to choose one of those players and you can argue for every single one of them Howard I think Howard has had the best 12 games I've ever seen from a starting player over the course of three years uh, Houston's had a phenomenal uh, jump into the senior team from last year Bonner's going to be very close to the rising star this year Powell Pepper had a great first year last year and Marshall is just developing so quickly as a forward especially for the first two games this year if I had to choose one, I think it's Dougal Howard because I can relate because I'm a personal, uh, I'm a big tall defender myself. So Dougal Howard for me, he looks really good. And I, I compare him to Matthew Bishop uh, back in the early 2000s, the way he runs off the halfback line with the ball, with the ball he chases. He's got speed. He's also got the skill. Um, but he's also got that asset of being able to be used in the ruck and also he started as a forward. So he's a u- utility as a backman. And I think he's the most promising so far, but it's a very tough call. It is a tough call. I mean, I've got man love for, for Dan Houston. Um, but I think Riley Bonner is the the making of a new uh, new and improved Jasper uh, Pittard, which is exciting. Uh, Todd Marshall's impressing me as a forward. and uh, But, yeah, I'm with you. I've, I've, I've picked Howard. I just... We've needed a... Um, We've needed a tall defender. We, all our defenders for the last few years have been a very similar height. We needed a bit of versatility yep. in the defence. And I thought his game against Buddy Franklin, even though Buddy kicked four goals and set up a few others, I mean, no defender's going to do better. And uh, on the big footy boards, Russell Weaver handball last night um, pointed out that you know, nearly any other, other defender on Buddy yesterday, and he would have kicked ten goals. And I, I agree with that. I, I believe that... Um, yeah, Howard still thwarted a lot of Buddy's marks. He kept he kept defending. He kept trying, and like you are, I think that his his swing ability in the game to go pinch hit forward if we need to or run forward. Um, I doubt we're going to see him too much in the ruck. I would imagine um, is no. very very uh, exciting for us. And I think against the weaker sides, we'll probably see. Uh, Dougal Howard push forward more and play more of an attacking game and, and maybe even attack the goals a little bit from that uh, centre-half back line. Do you, would you agree that that might be potential for us? Yeah, I mean, I looking at yesterday's game in particular and obviously in the first game, I think our half-backs are very attacking. and We saw shots on goal from Hamish Hartlett. Bonner kicked one, basically kicked the sealer. Howard is running through the middle of the ground. And I think with that attacking mentality, uh, it's very lethal coming across the half-back line. Um, and we saw it a few times last year as well. So I think it's going to be a, a weapon to have an attacking defensive back line. Yeah. I guess I even left out Darcy Byrne-Jones from that list as well. I mean, he's, what, this is really his, uh, well, he's played a season and a half regularly now. Yep. Um, so, I mean, he's pretty much a young player too. Um, yeah, it's just, we're, we're sport for riches. And I guess what that was been one of my criticisms 
um, over the years has been the development of our juniors. You know, they've sort of stagnated. Um, did you have you had a similar thought process? Have you thought our juniors over the years have haven't come on like they're supposed to, and we've you know delisted and traded them out, or can you see a noticeable difference now to say two, three years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think especially going through the 2013-14 period, a lot of our juniors that we picked up in the 2010, 11, and 12 drafts didn't really excel too well. And, you know, I mean, we've had our later picks in drafts have been more effective and more, more successful than our early picks, which has been surprising. But then again, for us to develop such late picks into good developing youthful players... Uh, is a real exciting uh, thing to see in the future. I'd blame uh, I'd blame Porsche and uh, Macca for that. I'm sure the club listens to their uh, choice selections <laughs> early on, and uh, and that's why. There's a bit of chat in the chat room about Jasper Pittard coming back into the side. Um, I can't see him being rushed back into the side, to be honest. What are your thoughts on Jasper? I mean. For me, he was the one this year that he had to take his game to a new level. He had uh, the contract re-signing at the end of last year. He's now got that off his mind. And obviously with his injury coming into the the first couple of games at the beginning of this year, it's going to be very difficult to see him push back into the side unless someone like a Bonner or a Hartlett or any of the back line gets injured. I mean, unless they move him into a different position... He's going to struggle to get back into this side if they're playing all well. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe Houston might be the uh, potential player at risk. I hope not. Um, but no. uh, yeah. I hope uh, I hope the coaching staff sticks fat with the players and not rely on the lure of experience just to bring someone back in. And it doesn't hurt senior players to come back through the seconds. Build up for no, I mean, and earn their spot. You talk about that with broadband as well. Yeah, Porsche's making up rumours on the chat room. She's saying made up rumour <laughs> Porter talking to Brody Grundy and would trade picks for him. Brody Grundy, Colin that'd Blackman. be interesting. I uh, maybe we could uh, maybe we could trade him Matthew Broadbent and Jasper Pittard for uh, Brody Grundy. They like those uh, those older players. Yeah, and they they like a bit of skill area on the odd occasion. So Collingwood would they would suit Collingwood perfectly. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into <laughs> the game as I uh, as I go to the run sheet, and uh, I just want to quickly highlight the stats for everybody for those that missed it. Uh, disposals were pretty even. Uh, free kicks were 20-17, to 17, even though Sydney were off to a blistering start in the first quarter with the umpires getting the, getting the 50-50 calls. Don't know what your thoughts were on that one. Oh, it was questionable in that first half, let me tell you. Uh, we won the clearances in the end, 52-46, uh, to 13-11 to 11 in the stoppages. Uh, sorry, 13-11 to 11 in the centre. Um, stoppages 39-35. to 35. Inside 50s were even. Uh, we ended up winning more marks inside 50, just contested possessions. We were up. Um, they were the key stats for me. And a couple of noticeable ones throughout the game. Um, second half, Dixon had 30 hit outs and was very, very instrumental in us winning the game. 
Uh, we dominated the clearances. We had double the amount of Sydneys in the third quarter. Um, we had more inside 50s in the third quarter than what we had in the whole first half. Um, Sam Power Pecker, Pepper, Pecker, Pepper, halfway through <laughs> the third quarter had seven tackles. Um, so he might not be getting the possession output that he was, um, but he was uh, still filling a very valuable role. Um, out of the stats, was there any interesting stats for you that you thought made an influence in the in the game and turning the game? Um, probably the inside fifties was the big one. I think if I think at halftime, Ollie Wines was interviewed and he stated that uh, Port were playing more or less the same football as they were playing the week before on a dry deck at, at the Adelaide Oval, uh, and they had to readjust their game. So going from thirty-five to fourteen inside fifties to uh, being almost, I think they were up, weren't they, by the end of the game? Mm-hmm. They were up. So to come back from 21 inside 50s down is instrumental. So to change that uh, was the biggest stat for me. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if we start on the first the first half, um, you know, we start the game for the first five minutes, five, ten minutes, and we were, we were holding our ground and... I guess maybe you could even argue the bulk of the first quarter, you know, we weren't too far out of the game. But um, I guess you, halfway through the first quarter to halfway through the second quarter, I think the nemesis, which had been questioning of our game style, was our, our spare defender with the opposition having an extra number at the midfield contest. It, it seems to be our undoing against the Crows for the last three years. Um, and also the better sides, leaving them with a, a spare midfielder at the contest. Uh, allowing them to get through our spare defender, um, even though in this time or this scenario with Sydney, we weren't able, or sorry, Sydney weren't able to actually get an extended lead on the scoreboard for us, which uh, is sort of creating that analogy with some of the fans. You know, we're playing a bit of rope a dope and taking the hits, and which were allowing us to tire them out and then break away. Um, I just think really we were we just weren't getting on top of the clearances. And that spare uh, midfielder for Sydney was actually really hurting us and was quite damaging. How did you see the first half? Yep, no, I completely agree with that, with having the extra defender uh, down back and not having that extra one at the contest. That's what hurt us the most. And um, if it wasn't, as we said before, for our back six, then the scoreboard would have been so much more uh, hurtful than what it was. And I think Kenny learnt that from obviously when they play the Crows, they have the extra stoppage, as you said, extra play at the stoppage. But to change that in a game where you haven't before is uh, a credit to Kenny to say that he's, you know, changing something that needs to be fixed, whereas last year he wasn't uh, changing those small things that actually have a bigger impact on the game than uh, he would think. So definitely that that impacted the first half compared to the second yeah, look, I think it's um, I think it's really something about backing in the players, and I I just wonder if we didn't back in the players enough in that first half, and after you know sort of being dominated by Sydney, we sort of went well, this ain't working. We need to back ourselves in. Went a little bit man on man. You know, we didn't really, unless it was deep and the ball movement was a little bit slow. I wouldn't say we. We triple teamed or double teamed Buddy all the time. There were mo- a lot of moments where Dougal was one on one with Buddy, which is a good thing. Anyone, uh, 
you know. So, um, yeah, I think we probably just were a little bit too defensively minded uh, in that first half in relation to our structures. However, Ollie Wines was in beast mode even in that first half. Uh, he was really the one standing up in our in our midfield structures, uh, showing the way. Who were, who were were there any other noticeable players that you saw in the first half that were having a, a impact on the game? Um, not really for me. I didn't take. I mean, Jared Pollock was one for me that stood out across the whole game, and he was having a go. Obviously, kicked the first goal of the game, was trying to create as much run as possible. I think he ended up having a quite really good game, but his first half was uh, credible at the very least. But other than that, yeah, Ollie Wines was the only one that stood out and really pulled our team along. Yeah, he he was he was the true leader, wasn't he? Really, he um, yep. he lifted everybody on his back and he sort of kept us in that midfield contest. And uh, yeah, we uh, we were dour and uh, and as we spoke about earlier on, the defence worked so strongly as a unit uh, to keep the um, yeah to keep the players or the whole team in the game uh, it was a credit to the defense and Nathan bassett so what were your observations of the third quarter which turned it around we had a seven goal quarter ended up with a nearly a three goal lead at three quarter time uh, we're all jumping up and down on the couch going yes <laughs> um, what happened for me it was and a lot of people say it was um, Travis Boak, game changer. You had uh, back six being more gelled, the positional changes. For me, Charlie Dixon going into the ruck was the game changer. He took Sinclair out of the game. And not only did he have 30 hitouts in the end, he got his own clearances, won his own groundwork, and was so influential in getting involved in scores around the ground and also setting up plays. So he was a massive game changer in that third quarter for me. Yep. Uh, was there anyone else? Uh, well, Travis Boke and Ollie Wines continued their great form so far this year. Travis Boke with two goals in a minute. Um, I think that was the stage where pillows were thrown at the window. So uh, Travis is an outstanding captain and he showed again yesterday why he deserved to be captain this year and I reckon the other one that stood out as well was Justin Westhoff. Once they put Charlie Dixon in the ruck, uh, allowed him to play that high half forward wing role that he plays so well, his roaming role around the back line as well, and he ended up with 27 possessions at the end of the game, and he influenced more doing his role than he did in the ruck in the first half. Yeah. It's interesting on the, on some of the footy forums or big footy forum, there's a few people questioning where um, Chad Wingard's at. They... They think that he's sort of grounding it out and it's more a career now than a passion. Is that how you see uh, Chad's game or do you think he's just more disciplined now as a footy player? I think it's it's a tough one because Chad has had, um, over, over, uh, over the last couple of years, quite a lot of niggling injuries. So every time he starts to get going, uh, something shuts him down. I think... We saw last year before he had his ankle injury going into the midfield, he looked a lot better. And obviously with bringing Rockcliffe and Motlop uh, as two smalls into the team, it's kind of restricted his role a bit more. And I can agree with the fact that he may think it's now more of a career than a passion. And we all know his love for basketball. So 
yeah, he might have become more civilized with the game, but I still think he's got plenty to offer. And when he's on, he's on. Yeah, the the, the chat room is still going on about the Pittard debate, <laughs> which is interesting. I'm reading it. The other one we've forgotten about in that first half, especially the first quarter, was Hamish Hartlett in his 150th game. Uh, yes. I don't know what you think, but I thought he was fantastic, especially in that first quarter. He uh, he took some really, really tough and courageous marks, uh, knowing people were coming to him and, and thwarted defensive efforts. He he was he didn't have a problem standing in the hole. Um, he really sort of led that defensive unit. And, uh, you know, he's now played 150 games for the club. And, uh, yeah, he's finally, uh, for me, providing me reassurance that, he wants to be in the game when he needs to be in the game. Yeah, I mean, he's had a brilliant time at the halfback line. And you said uh, about his courageous marks. He had 10 marks from his 13 possessions, which says to me that he was reading the play very well. He took a couple of great marks at the end of the game to stop Sydney's run on. Um, but yeah, that first quarter. In his 150th, he took some real strong marks. And he's really setting himself up for a great year. And I called it last year that I thought this year would be Hammer's year. And it's looking to be a very, very promising one for him. Ian uh, on the chat room just said, how much money to keep Wines? Uh, you know, do you think Wines is a flight risk for Port Adelaide? Is he the next captain? Um, where do you think Wines is at? Will he resign with the club? Do we... Do we have to compromise our list strategy to keep him at the club? No, nah, Ollie will stay. My money's not an issue. He, he, well, the, the go-home fact is not really an issue because Echuca's closer to the Victorian border than it is to the centre of Melbourne. So he won't go home. He'll stay. He'll become captain at, for the beginning of next year and he'll be a one-club player for the rest of uh, his footy career. Yeah, I hope so. He was uh, instrumental in the game yesterday. Um, I guess for me, I agree with you with the third, the third quarter, which really turned the game around. Um, Charlie Dixon in the ruck was a, was a great move, and I think it shows that our forward line with Marshall and Watts can still be functional because we've got those quality smalls um, that to support them in, uh, in Rockcliffe, Sam Gray. There you go, Nick. I'm saying Sangray, um, Travis, <laughs> Chad Wingard, Robbie Gray, all running through there. Um, you know, I think we can afford the luxury of having Dixon and Ruck. I think with the modern Ruck rule interpretations now as well, um, I think that the injuries to Ruckman are a lot less than what people are thinking. Um, so a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to see Ruck, uh, Dixon and Ruck and get injured. But the, the high-flying days of big jumping Ruckman are, are almost over, except for um, yeah, Nick Nat and Paddy Ryder. Um, and with the reduced circle, we don't see those play injuries like we did in the past. So um, I don't have a problem with uh, uh, Dixon going into the Ruck, per se, uh, because I don't think it hurts our structures as much as what it would have yesterday, for example, if Dougal Howard had to go in the Ruck. So we would have had no uh, light-to-light match-up for Buddy. Uh, the other one I thought was, uh, was a bull terrier was uh, Robbie Gray in the midfield. His, he did some second and third gut efforts to try and stop the midfield clearance from Sydney um, that were just, uh, yeah, desperate. 
um, which is what you need from a midfield group. He, I thought I could see it, and it was probably, you know, I've always seen Robbie as a great player, skill-wise, and an extractor of the ball, and a bit of flair and creativity, but that was some grunt, desperation work. Um, and maybe Michael Voss is starting to make an impact on the players, because that's the sort of stuff we see Michael Voss do as a player. Um, but yeah, so yeah, and Robbie ended up with, uh, I think, 26 possessions for the game. Um, his average against Sydney's been down recently. Um, so 26 possessions and 10 tackles uh, shows that he, he played a desperate brand of football. And you know, maybe with his child and the health issues he's gone through, um, maybe he's, uh, he's realised that life's short and he's had to maximise his opportunities. Yep, I completely agree with that, Rick. I think he he looked free yesterday. Last year he looked restricted in the way he played. He looked free. I mean, he, he didn't have the best first half, but he came into the game when he went more into the midfield and he had 26 possessions, as he said. But the 10 tackles is the stat that stands out for me. Robbie Gray hasn't been much of a tackler. He's always been you know, the flair, the goal kicker, the one that gets the clearances and really creates the play. But his grunt tackling... Ten tackles, and there was one in a couple of minutes to go in the last quarter that he just dived to tackle the Sydney player. And the game was basically over, but he still had that uh, awareness to go after the footy, even though the game was basically shot. So ten tackles for Robbie Gray is a stat that's very, very noticeable. And I can't believe the chat room is still arguing over whether Pittard comes back in the side or not. <laughs> it's... Guys, let's move on. There has to be something else. Otherwise, uh, Anthony and I are going to have to talk about tattoos or something just to uh, <laughs> just to just to random it up, I guess. And that's a little bit of a joke from Anthony's um, appearance with the Albert and Front Bar Boys uh, last night. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I just thought that there was desperation, team play. We kept our team structures. Uh, everyone played their role. You know, some some players probably didn't get the possessions that they normally do. Uh, for example, Brad Ebert, Sam Powell Pepper, um, even uh, Tom Rockcliffe, which I'll I'll get your thoughts on shortly. Um, but they still did their things, and uh, I mean Tom Rockcliffe, for example, awesome uh, awesome handball to open up a goal scoring opportunity in the last. I think it was the last. Um, you know, but he yeah. is down on output. Is Tom Rockcliffe's early season form? Just an anomaly for you, Anthony, or is it a is it a concern where he's at at the moment? Um, I think for me personally, I feel like he's still adjusting to uh, the way he's got to play for Port Adelaide. He's always had that number one role at Brisbane, where he was the main midfielder, and now he's becoming into a side where there's more ball winners. So he's got to adjust to that a bit more, playing a little bit more forward. But I think the main thing is. I think he's a little bit underdone in having a restricted preseason. He's only playing his second proper hit out for the year, and it's round two. So coming up against Brisbane this week, you might see him have a little bit more impact, and I think he's just finding his feet at Port Adelaide um, compared to Jack Watts and Stephen Motlop, who've had uh, a little bit more impact on games. So a few people are saying he's a bit, bit scapegoated for being in a good side at the moment. Um, on the chat room. I think it's a luxury. I think it gives a guy who's had limited pre-season, coming back from injury, an opportunity to, uh, you know, find his form and fitness um, and work his way back into form. Uh, I think 
well, I know he's too good to be playing the Magpies. He wasn't re re uh, recruited to be a Magpies player. Um, so I think he's one um, that we will keep persisting with until he finds form and fitness. And, um, yeah, it's, I don't think it's a massive concern for me. No, I completely agree. And I think, as you'll see over the course of the year, him and Robbie Gray will probably switch positions. One will go forward, one will go in the middle, and they will be like a tag team playing uh, two different roles because they're very similar in uh, how they play. Yeah. And look, he's, he's finding his niche in a, in a much stronger midfield than what he had at Brisbane. Um, there's a lot more depth here, so it allows him to, uh, yeah, just to, to do what he needs to do and get it done. And I'm, and I'm sure I'm looking forward to seeing how Rockcliffe progresses as the uh, as the season goes on. Um, was there any other takeaways you had from the game? Um, not really. I think the big one as well was uh, probably Tom Jonas down back. I felt like he had a lot more of an impact than he did against Fremantle and he's just uh, defending and cutting off leads and spoils in those big packs were really effective. Um, so he had a bigger impact than I think people gave him credit for. Yeah. What about, I thought Wines and Sam Powell Pepper came into that third quarter along with Gray, Gray with his desperation, but Wines and Pound Pepper, they seemed angry. And they, oh. uh, they they seem to be very, very encouraged to go hard and physical uh, at the Sydney players. Um, how did you see those two big body players in the midfield in that third quarter? Um, well, we've touched on wines a bit. So, Power Pepper for me, uh, he with, especially with that haircut, we can't forget that shiny bold haircut that he has. It makes him look angry than he already did so to have nine I mean he doesn't have to have a major 20 odd possession game to have an impact nine tackles with nine possessions and he also kicked the goal he had a very very inspirational part in the midfield and I think those three in particular with Gray Wines and Power Pepper starting in the middle uh, was a good decision hmm. all right Another segment we have is rate the umpires. How did you find the umpires on Sunday? Uh, they were. It's, it's funny because we ended up winning the free kick count twenty to seventeen. I've seen a few comments from Sydney supporters saying they they won Port the game, which was definitely not the case. That's just the usual blame the umpire game. But I thought they were okay. There was a few decisions where I thought, okay, and that's a bit wrong. And they seemed to favour a lot of the um, midfielders from Sydney in the first half. But they were not too bad. And I've seen them worse. Mm. I only thought their, their first quarter was average. Um, yeah. And, yeah, this has really got the, the fans going in the chat room about knowing the rules and what is holding the ball. I, I just thought there was a few <laughs> Sydney players that sort of dropped and released the ball in tackles um, and got away with it, and uh, more so in the first quarter than um, than what we did. And so that was a little bit confusing to me as a spectator. And I guess you, you sort of see it more when you're trying to explain it to people that don't understand the game. Um, but look, as the game played out, 
as per normal, the umpiring sort of levelled off and became consistent um, to both sides. It's, um, you know, one of the posters on Big Footy Ford Fairlane sort of uh, suggested that you know, our tackling became a little bit meeker uh, because of what was being paid. I think that can have a short-term influence in the game. But overall, um, the umpires probably broke even, and I'd probably give them a score of uh, 6 out of 10. What score would you give them? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. Six so out of ten. Now, the the controversial topic. Agree or disagree? Rick's top three. I'll be interested to hear what everyone thinks. I've gone Wine's best, Dixon's second best, Travis Boak third best, and a special mention to Howard for his effort against Buddy Franklin. Do you agree or do you disagree? I I agree, Rick. They, oh, that is come a spot on. on Challenge me. <laughs> oh, well, you could... you could. I mean, the special mention to Howard, yes, you could throw in Robbie Gray for his second half in the middle with his 10 tackles. You could throw in Tom Jonas with his uh, general effort down back. But it's it's probably the best top three you can give from the game that was more of a team effort than seeing individual stars. Mm. Oh come on! Everyone's agreeing with my top three. Outrageous! What about uh, what about <laughs> Robbie Gray? I, I didn't put Robbie Gray in the top three only because I thought he, he had a quiet first half. He didn't really have that, that much of an impact. Um, some people had Westoff in there, um, but I, again, I think. He probably was a his negative in the ruck or lack of influence in the ruck probably took him out of the top three as well. Yep. No, I can agree with that. And Ian is saying, "What about Sam Gray? I think that is that Nick in disguise. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure Sam Gray was in our top three, but I'll have to give him credit. He has." Started the season off the first two games, playing his role. He, I haven't. There hasn't been as many noticeable uh, brain part moments, um, you know. So um, credit to Sam. He's doing his job, and uh, look, someone's going to be very unlucky. Like if all things being equal, and we've got no injuries, which I'm sure isn't going to happen. Um, you know, there's going to be a tough call come Paddy Ryder being fit and ready to come back inside. Or especially with the way Marshall's been playing. Yes. Oh, Porsche, uh, Porsche's got Marshall in her top three for his goals. I mean, he play, had two influential goals. And I mean, there's another... That, that was probably the most controversial umpiring decision too. That his, his obvious mark, which they decided to review, which stopped the, the play on to Sam Gray having an easier set shot. Um, yeah, that was, uh, was difficult. That was very different interpretation. Yeah, I, I don't understand why they reviewed that, but nonetheless, he, he kicked the goal, which was good. Yeah, it's good to see TK T Cray on the forum as one of the only people that realised that my um, Sydney's our bitch is a piss take and was questioning why. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, so let's see. Is there any big footy questions? Outside of uh, having a go at my title, 
Um, Andre asked, the no ruck picked only worked when we pushed Dixon there later in the game. None of the coaches want that as our go-to option and as the main ruck for many weeks. Um, I doubt most supporters do either. So Sam Hayes or Frampton in this week. Look. Or do you stay as is? I I stay as is. I think you only bring in Frampton to give him some game time ready just in case Paddy Ryder goes out again. But with the way we played in the second half yesterday, do you really change having Dixon play <laughs> half game time in the ruck? Then you've got Hoff playing the other half. Do you restrict Dixon's role because Paddy Ryder's out. I think, you know, with Jack Watson, Marshall being the two main forwards and Charlie being in the ruck and then Hoff playing his role, it's dangerous. Um, the only reason you're probably bringing Frampton is to protect Dixon from his uh, noticeable ankle injuries that he's had in the past. But other than that, I think Billy, uh, Billy might have to sit out this one. Look, I think... Dixon's a 203-centimetre player, if my memory serves me right. Um, I can't see why he just... Uh, and he's a big body player. Just play him in the right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our... our sorry, I'm going to cough, probably. Um, our... Um, <coughs> excuse me. Our forward line can function with the smalls, as we said earlier, plus Marshall, plus Watts. Um Dixon could push forward from the ruck anyway um, and have then Westhoff playing that kick behind the play if we need to. Uh, I don't think we need to um, bring, in a, bring in a young Hayes at the moment. Let him develop in the, in the seconds for a while and not uh, damage his body. That's how I would go anyway. Who cares what Henkley thinks, Scott? It's what we think because that's all that matters. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> that's what I reckon. And if Hinkley if Hinkley doesn't want him in the ruck, why didn't he pick a ruckman? Exactly. And he didn't. So. Uh, and that's why. That's what changed the game too. Andre also asked another question. He was the one that really only asked questions. For a player that divides the board, Sam Gray, when we only had Dixon as the only useful tool forward. He played a valuable role forward, locking it in or crumbing as a small target. But if we bring in a ruck and have all of Watts, Dixon, Marshall forward, is he needed anymore? I'll argue no, but what about the hosts? I think he is needed more if we play Watts, Dixon and Marshall because we need that small crumbing forward to provide attacking crumbing ground pressure and also defensive pressure. What do you think? Yep. I uh, I completely agree with you. We, I mean, we went into round one with that structure of Paddy, and then you have the four tools of Hoff, Dixon, Marshall, and Watts, and we have a good mixture of uh, little forwards as well. So I don't think you change it too much. Yeah, I don't think. Look at the moment, unless it's broke, you don't change anything, and no, nah. it ain't broke. So. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it all stays as is. And how close is Watts to being dropped? Come on, please. Um, I thought I thought Watts was still a target yesterday, and he he set up a couple of goals, and he did what he needed to do. I uh, I really don't. Yeah, I 
I don't have a problem with Watts' game yesterday. What What about you for Watts? Um, no, he was fine yesterday. I think the way the ground worked and how the SCG is structured, it didn't really help Watts with uh, being uh, the second tool to Marshall. Um, and that ground really doesn't suit Jack Watts' game style, but it being more open and he can roam a bit more. It was a little bit more claustrophobic. So I was still happy with his result, and he created a target and really set up a few goals as well. Awesome. All right, now, just quickly, uh, before I have to head off, um, the Maggies beat the Evil Crows 128, thank you very much, to 33. Lindsay Thomas, six goals. Billy Frampton, two goals. Aidan Johnson, two goals. Uh, with a host of other um, goal kickers. Uh, obviously, uh, Lindsay Thomas was a standout performer with his goals. Steve Summerton, uh, another solid performance. Joe Attlee was getting a lot of kudos from uh, from the Port supporters, and also uh, Joel Patmore, Will Swelling, uh, Swelling, <laughs> Will Stelling, had a, a high dream team game. Jeez, I, my Freudian slips are crazy. Um, Jake Mead applied a lot of pressure. It looked like a strong all round team performance. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the on the Maggies? They just got to keep pushing and doing their time. Yeah, they look they look really good on Saturday, especially. I mean, you look at the two top players with Summerson and Proud. With I think Proud had a best on ground performance, having twenty eight possessions and kicking the goal. He also had six marks and six tackles. He was really uh, influential and doing his part. Summerson does his role every week as always. Uh, the big one for me was Trent McKenzie with 25 possessions, but he also had five rebounds. So we were talking about Pittard uh, struggling to get into the side. If McKenzie keeps that form up, we might have a new uh, new chance at someone playing at the halfback flank. Yes, I wonder what just I wonder what his stopping point is at the moment. I want is it his is it his mobility, his nimbleness, or, or top end speed? Um, you know, because he seems to have all the goods. So, I guess his problem now is that he has to just do his time uh, to get into the senior side, and it's probably going to take injury or a real massive form drop. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's putting every stop for, uh, foot forward, and uh, I guess Joe Atley's one of my favourites. Um, I just love his hard approach to the game, his solid body. He loves the body contact uh, with the late releasing of the ball. Um, he looks like an AFL player. Um, yeah, I think Lindsay Thomas, again, is probably going to have to still do his time, but he keeps kicking goals. He's showing that he's a class above SANFL level, and, and uh, I'm sure his opportunity will come at some stage. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Lindsay, uh, bar injury or form drop, you might not see him this year, but he's definitely, if he keeps that form up, kicking six goals a week, you might see, well, especially with Wingard looking likely, he might miss this week. Uh, Lindsay Thomas could be in consideration for selection. Um, but, yeah, you might you might see him this year, might not. But, nonetheless, good to see him in a bit of form. What about um, the, the fans on Spreaker Chatter laughing at Collingwood and nothing else matters? <laughs> uh, Collingwood. They, they love to disappoint. I mean, look, I guess the Port Adelaide thing, I mean, firstly, I guess you got, with the EPL, Liverpool's thing before the game. 
Not every club sings a song before the game. The AFL is teams are so obsessed about copying what someone else does. It's just ridiculous. Um, now, I just don't see how the spoiled brat child of the competition who gets spoon-fed everything they want and they, when they just have a sook um, you know, is going to have the passion to be singing a song at the start of the game where the meaning isn't there. If they want to do it, there needs to be some sort of meaning. And I, I, I don't. Maybe they need to find a uh, a spooning sort of song, like silver spoons or something, or you know, <laughs> a bit of silver chair or something. But um, you know, something self indulgent. Um, but yeah, I just, I just don't get it. Like, let it go. It naturally will come, or it won't come. But uh, it is a bit in. Uh, it is a bit embarrassing. But maybe that could be a discussion topic for Thursday night, Porsche. What song should Collingwood play before the game? We'll have to An interesting topic. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> is there a choking song? Is there a choking song? I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure if we went to the power <laughs> of Google. I'll leave it, leave it on my list of things to do. I'll see if I can find one. But uh, I think that's it for this morning or this evening, depending on where we live. Um, Anthony, thank you very much for coming on. I'm sure we'll get you back throughout the season and I keep doing your work with the boys on the Portrait Show on Wednesday night. Yes, no, I've been doing the rounds on the old Port Fan Radio this week. So it's, uh, thank you very much for, for having me on, Rick, and I look forward to coming back on soon. It's been you're, great fun. You're welcome. You're a gun for hire. Oh, no worries, and I'm glad to do it for the big amount of money that you're giving me too. So I know we nice. uh, we're all paid the big big bucks at Port Fam Radio. <laughs> Zero, nothing of nothing is fantastic. We do it for the love of the club, and being part of a great supporter group. And uh, yeah, I mean, otherwise, why the hell am I up at six o'clock in the morning in America um, to do a show on something that's happening in South Australia? So. Uh, Love it. I'm sure you love it. Keep doing your videos, mate. They're great. And uh, everyone will speak soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Ciao. Goes forward again for Port Adelaide. No laughing matter for the Roos. Treadray. Oh, don't tell me. Oh, Treadray!